we were just baby writers on a baby publishing company that nobody really gave a shit about. I'm just being for real. What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Music City Playbook podcast. If you're an aspiring musician, artist, songwriter, or producer, this podcast is for you. It's my goal to keep your dream alive through the encouragement and insight by interviewing some of my friends here in Nashville that are making a living by using their gifts and really living the dream. My name is Forrest Whitehead. I'm a professional songwriter here in Nashville, and I can easily remember what it was like starting out trying to get my career off the ground just a short 10 years ago. And I want to pass along some of the key things I feel set you apart as a successful creator. So thank you guys for being here, and be sure to check out musiccityplaybook.com. What's up, y'all? How are y'all doing today? It is Monday, December 7th, and man, it's been a hell of a year, hasn't it? I wanted to go ahead and do another preseason episode of this podcast, and I call it a preseason because top of 2021, I'll be releasing all the interviews that I've been doing over the past year, really since of March of this year. I started interviewing my friends, whether it be songwriters, producers, mix engineers, all the above. And I just wanted to highlight the routes of success and how they went from where they started to achieving what they've done. Before I started rolling out all the interviews, I wanted to kind of do an introduction to the whole idea and let you guys know a little bit about myself, where I come from, where I started, and get y'all familiar with why it's important to me to deliver this type of encouragement and insight to the ones that want to listen to this podcast and get fired up to go write songs or produce a record or chase an artist career. The name of this episode is going to be Create Your Opportunities because I believe that's just so important instead of just waiting for opportunities to come about or waiting for the right time or that old saying, waiting for your ship to come in. Like, let's build your own ship. That's what I'm about. So I want to go through of how I came from small town Blanchard, Louisiana. I moved to Nashville 2009, and a lot of amazing opportunities have come my way, but not by chance. You know, it comes through the persistence of visualizing what you want out of your creative career and just being adamant about not giving up till that happens. It sounds easy, right? Let me just give you all a little bit of backstory. When I was in high school, all I could think about was getting to Nashville. And this started setting in about my sophomore year. I couldn't think of anything other than how can I make a living doing music? So there was a little bait shop that sold bait and tackle, (laughs) minnows, worms, all this stuff right up the road from my high school. And that was honestly my first and only real job. When I say real job, I mean the kind that you have to be there at a certain time and they expect you to deliver this bait and tackle to another local store. And I really enjoyed it. But that's where I started. And I started working there to save up money to buy a travel trailer to move to Nashville. For whatever reason, I thought that was the best idea. I didn't know anything about Nashville. I didn't know where I wanted to be. I didn't know anybody. So in my mind, in 2007, 2008, I was like, I got to get a travel trailer and then I can move anywhere in Nashville. If I get there and I decide I want to be somewhere else, I can just pick it up and go. So that was it. I moved to Nashville right after high school. I worked that summer 
My dad helped me buy a travel trailer. We hooked it up to his truck and rolled it into town October 21st, 2009. We dropped it at the KOA on Music Valley Drive, and I was completely lost. I had no idea where to start. I just knew I had a feeling that I had to be here. And you know how someone always knows somebody that lives in Nashville. So a sound guy at the church that I did a lot of worship leading for back home said, yeah, I know a guy up there. He worked with Chris Young, and he's writing songs, and maybe he can help you out. So he introduced me to Dan Bobbitt, an old friend of mine, one of the first people, if not the first person, that believed in me uh, whenever I moved to this town. And he was from another part of Louisiana where I was from. And so we just immediately hit it off. And he supported me because he, he, he gave me a job at a pawn shop that he was a manager at. There was a location in Gallatin. There was also another location in Laverne. So I spent two to three or four days a week working at this pawn shop when I first moved to town. But anytime a music opportunity would come up, you know, what made this job awesome is he got it. Dan got it. He let me go do whatever I needed to do, whether it was take a gig or whatever. It wasn't like that thing, well, you need to be here because this is your job. Like he got the whole reason that I was here. And through him, I met a friend of mine, Ryan Griffin, who eventually gave me a room to rent because I got tired of the travel trailer life. I was ready for something more consistent. And Ryan Griffin got me a job at McDougal's Chicken in Hillsborough Village, downtown Nashville. And so those were the two jobs that I worked trying to get my break here in Nashville. I worked at McDougal's Chicken serving chicken tenders, and I worked at a pawn shop where I picked up my first MacBook Pro, which ultimately helped me learn production. But I wanted to highlight all this stuff because nobody's journey is ever a straight line to success. You know, I spent the first couple of years trying to get my feet under me, and I, I actually found an ad on Craigslist for a blues band. I did that for a while, dressed up in a crazy suit and a fancy hat and, you know, did that till I got tired of it. Just anything to stay in town. And then I heard about songwriting. Like I wasn't even aware that songwriting was a gig, which I was just so isolated in my little town. Like I said, I barely had an email or before I moved. I'm kind of behind the times. I've always felt that way, but I was kind of behind the times for sure then. There wasn't internet access anywhere at my parents' house or at my grandparents, none of that. I had to go to the library or the school. So those of y'all of that generation, y'all know what I'm talking about. Like where everything's so connected now, you were just only consuming whatever was in the world around you. You, you couldn't get online and see what everybody else was doing. And I grew up in a little town, you know, and the regular jobs there, if you were working for the, for the train station or you were in the oil field or, you know, there were only a few certain things that people were being successful where I was from, I just had this overwhelming feeling like, you got to get to Nashville. you got to do something different. Not that it's a terrible thing to stay home and do those jobs. I mean, that can be totally fulfilling for some people. But for me, I knew to make a living with music, I had to be in Nashville. So the only thought that I had was, I'm going to go to town and play guitar for Taylor Swift. <laughs> and this is funny to me because that was the only plan I had. Like I mentioned in the previous episode, Taylor Swift was a huge motivator, encourager. I don't know. She was just somebody that I thought, she's close to my age. She's doing something different with country music. Like, that inspires me. I want to go serve her in some way or just be around that. So that was the initial thought. I want to pack up my bags, load up my travel trailer, and go play guitar for Taylor Swift. Now, I never play guitar for Taylor Swift, but I did end up meeting her on one occasion, which I'll talk about in another episode. But I wanted to tell you guys 
how I believe you can create your own opportunities just by following that gut feeling, that God feeling in you that tells you that you need to be somewhere else, that tells you you need to step out of your comfort zone and do something different, even if you don't know what to do. Because I feel like that's exactly where I was, kind of over being at the pawn shop all day. But then I got a call on my phone and BMI showed up, which those of y'all that don't know, that is a, a PRO here in town that collects music royalties. When your song gets played on the radio, they go track down those royalties and, and pay you for that or performance royalties, whatever it is. But I had been trying to get a meeting with BMI. That's who I was associated with when I first moved to town. I've been trying to get this meeting for years. And this number finally you know, comes up on my phone and I have like a plate full of chicken. I'm like literally out to like deliver to a table. I just set it down right where I was to pick up this, this call. And I got in a ton of trouble by my boss at the time, but I had to take this call. It was a writer rep at BMI and said that a friend of mine had passed along my name. Shout out Felicia King. You're the one that knocked this first domino down for me. But the point of me saying that is me meeting this first initial BMI rep, the one that I thought was going to be my breakthrough the one that's going to make shit happen for me or make things happen, finally getting in the door, you know, someone legitimate is listening to my songs. Well, that person was not the person that got things moving for me. And that's how it happens a lot in this town is you you have expectations of only this will happen, then all these good things will happen. Well, sometimes it takes a different path. And I kind of got frustrated after meeting with this, this writer rep for, for months and months. And I say that because it would always be, well, come bring me more songs. Or you need to write better songs or come back next month. Write a couple more songs and bring them back. We'll see what we can do. But I don't ever remember him picking up the phone and ringing a publisher. So what I did in that time to level myself up is I, I became a student of it. And this is partly why I love interviewing some of my friends on the podcast, on the playbook, because I've been a student of the successful writers in this town. I would ask everybody I knew that had a catalog or a compilation, a comp, a writer comp of songs. It could be, you know, Shane McAnally, Brandy Clark, Rivers Rutherford, Dallas Davidson, Wendell Mobley, Neil Thrasher, all the writers that I loved and was inspired by. I would just study their songs. I'd study their phrasing, their lyric content. And of course, I tried my best to write songs just like that, which ultimately never broke through for me until I found my own sound. But that's how I started. I heard about being a songwriter, and whenever I started getting enough momentum of maybe this could happen for me, but I realized I still needed to level up. And even though the opportunities I thought were going to break me through usually ended up being something different. What eventually broke me through and got me a songwriting publishing deal was at the beginning of 2011, I played a songwriter round at Douglas Corner. I finished my set. I walked to the back of the room and someone approaches me it says they're a writer rep for ASCAP. It says, hey man, I'm a writer rep for ASCAP, but I loved your set. I know you're with BMI, but I'm a fan of what you do. If you ever need my help, hit me up. So what do y'all think I did? After being so frustrated with my, my current situation at BMI, I'm, I'm you know trying my best to get my songs heard and I can't get a meeting. I can't get this guy to pick up the phone and call a publisher. I immediately hit up that ASCAP rep the next day and I'm not going to say his name. Those of y'all that really know me know who it was. But just to protect him from kind of stealing a writer from BMI, he took a meeting with me. He was very honest on what songs needed work and what songs really reacted with him. But he pretty much said, I can have you a deal by this date, whatever it was, 
I think it was like a couple months out. I was blown away because like I said, I'd spent the last year meeting after meeting after meeting, writing so many songs that I thought were going to be the one that breaks through. And initially, some of the songs that I was playing for the BMI rep were the ones that the ASCAP rep really loved and thought that they were ready. So that was my first lesson too. Even though the songs I was writing definitely leveled up in that period, don't just take one person's opinion, you know? That's why you should build your relationships with many different people in this town, and you never know where that breakthrough is going to come. That ASCAP rep was a man of his word, because I'm telling you, it felt down to the day that I was able to sign my first pub deal with Celia Froelig, who was my publisher, and Robert Carlton over at Black River Publishing, Black River Entertainment, in 2011. I signed there September 2011. <laughs> I remember I was so excited because I knew that a deal was kind of in the works and I quit my job from the pawn shop like two or three months early. I didn't know it would be two or three months before I got a paycheck from the publishing. It's just like, that's the way sometimes these things work. You know, you take a meeting and it takes a while to get the contract drawn up and all that stuff. I didn't care. I just thought, oh, I'm going to get a deal. See ya. Ain't coming to this pawn shop no more. And I kind of had to pinch some pennies for two or three months before I got my first advance check. Then I got for a Schedule A list of songs. Schedule A is just a group of songs that you're bringing into the deal. I think I got a couple thousand dollars or whatever for that. I don't know what it was. But I signed my first deal with Black River for $18,000 a year back in 2011. It was a 100% pub deal. At the time, I really didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I just thought, these people want to pay me to write songs? I'm going to do that. As most people think, definitely how I thought, well, I've made it. I got a pub deal now. I'm a signed published writer here in Nashville. Little did I know, that's just the start of it. That's where the work had to begin. Even the people around me, you know, everybody put such a prize on achieving that pub deal and getting paid to write songs, which it is a big deal. Don't get me wrong. But I definitely had to learn how to create my own opportunities, even after having that major win of being a signed writer now. And I say that because about a year, year and a half of me in this pub deal, I wasn't getting cuts. I wasn't getting a single, you know, things were just kind of stalling out or whatever. You know, I was writing the best I could as much as I could. And I did get one cut. It was on my very first cut. Shout out to Brian Davis for taking a song that we started to Brantley Gilbert. It's called Lights in My Hometown. It was on Brantley's album a few albums back. I think it came out in 2012. That was pretty much the only cut that I had in that time until I started incorporating a laptop, a music production in the writing room. Now, I had grown up recording different bands in my hometown, recording my own voice or my own songs. But for whatever reason, I thought, well, I'm a songwriter, so I should just come in with a notepad and a guitar case, and that's my job. But I noticed the moment I started incorporating production in the writing room, opportunities started to happen for me. And once you feel the needle moving on something like that, you want to do it all the time. You want to get better at it. So that's exactly what happened. I thought, you know, I was a year and a half into being just a straight songwriter. And then I did a couple of demos on some songs that I was writing on my laptop and just spent hours on YouTube learning about mixing and producing tracks as much as I could, whatever was out there at the time. Oh, another major thing is I purchased Melodyne, which those of y'all that don't know, it's a software that tunes a vocal. Similar to Auto-Tune, but I feel like in some ways it can be more transparent as far as just making the vocal sound awesome. So what would happen was is people would get booked to write with me. They'd come in, we'd write a song, I'd record their vocal, I'd make like a lick on the guitar on a loop, 
and they get the demo back. And their vocals sounded better than some of the other demos that they paid a lot more money for. And here I was delivering a demo that sounded really close to a record for free to them. That's whenever a fire took to my career. So what I initially thought the opportunity was, was I'm a signed songwriter, so I'll just write a great song and a great hook and things will work out for me. It worked a little bit, but when it caught another gear is whenever I started being a servant of the song on the production side. And I know this is such a common thing now, being a track guy here in Nashville, but it definitely wasn't as common during that time, 2011, 2012, to bring a laptop computer and a microphone and to get your song idea out the day of. So I noticed that my rights started getting better, you know. Somebody would tell their friend that, hey, we need to write with Forrest. He can do a great track. That's exactly how I ended up meeting Brandy Clark. And if y'all remember, she's one of the writers that I studied and was just a student under, I feel like, for so long before she even knew who I was. And that right came through getting a right with a guy named Brent Anderson. Super talented dude. One of the best guitar players harmony singers that I've I've ever been in a room with. But he basically just championed me and, and he was tight with Brandy. I think they wrote at the same publishing company at the time. And he just told Brandy, like, hey, we gotta write with Forrest. So I was super nervous the first write. And I think it, the, the name of that song was called Cheated on You. It may be up on the SoundCloud. Or maybe I took that down. I think they asked me to t- take it down. But anybody that wants that song, hit me up. I'll try to get you a demo of it. But here was somebody that presented me with an opportunity to write with a writer that was totally out of my class because I was bringing value to the session of being able to provide a demo. At the time, Brent Anderson was playing guitar for Brandy on the road, and there came a weekend that he was not able to go out on the road or whatever. He had something else going on. So again, he threw another opportunity at me and said, well, why don't you ask Forrest to do it? So I went out and filled in on the road one weekend, which turned into another, which turned into another, which turned into about two and a half years on the road with a country band for Brandy Clark. Some of the most memorable, amazing times in my young career. Never expected to be out on the road playing the type of shows we were. We opened for Eric Church, Dwight Yoakam, Alan Jackson. We went over to London to do the C2C Festival. We played Ireland. We did all these things, and I was just blown away at the opportunities that kind of unfolded, really just coming back to doing demos, you know, and trying to up my value in the writing room, which ultimately led to a road gig. And I was singing harmonies, playing guitar for Brandy Clark. There's a video on the YouTube and the Instagram of where we played Good Morning America. We also played Seth Meyers Light Show. There are so many things that expose me to the real world of being a professional musician, traveling by bus, by plane, in hotels all the time. Like I got real experience being out on the road, playing with one of my heroes. I was just so grateful to be there and just practice all the time. I remember I was in a little tiny apartment in Madison, Tennessee, right off Old Hickory Boulevard for y'all in town that know where that is. It's called Breckenridge Apartments, if y'all know. Maybe some one of y'all live there. Well, I lived on a top floor, third, third floor apartment over there, and I would spend hours practicing my part, rehearsing the harmonies, getting my guitar tones right, buying different pedals to make sure that I was making it sound just like the record. Like it just became an obsession of mine to, to, to do a great job for Brandy out on the road. And for a lot of people, being a road musician, that is the peak. Like that's all they want to do is play the guitar and get paid for it. Go see different cities, go experience different places, being a musician. I mean, what could be better than that? 
Like I said, I moved to town because I wanted to be a guitar player. And here I was out on the road. No, it wasn't for Taylor Swift, but it was for another one of my songwriting heroes that I looked up to. So it was just as good, if not better, honestly. But you know, dreams change. And I'd always had a feeling that my heart was really in the production side of things. I love being able to play an awesome show. One of my favorite shows that we played was Red Rocks in Denver. My first time ever in Colorado. Probably the initial domino that got me obsessed with Colorado. Just it's beautiful out there. And I never would have I never would have probably traveled there had I not taken that road gig. It just showed me all kinds of places that I never would have experienced if it weren't for being a musician. As amazing as that time was, I remember playing a casino in nowhere, Connecticut. We had like two nights in a row. And I remember walking out in the parking lot and I was on the phone with my dad and be like, yeah, I love being out here on the road. I love playing shows all the time, but something tells me that I need to lean into production. And here I was at the peak of my road career as a road musician. And I say that because there's really nothing else that I would have rather been doing at the time as far as there wasn't another artist that I would rather play for. Brandy was so easy to work for. The band was amazing. There was just no drama. It was just the perfect situation. And she paid me probably more than she should had. And I was just so grateful to be a part of that. We were writing a little bit. I was learning and working under her closer than ever before. But something still told me there's something else for you. You need to come off the road and lean into production. And that thought started brewing around 2014. And a lot of the fuel on the fire to that thought, as I was writing with a girl named Kelsey Ballerini, who was signed, who had just signed over at Black River Publishing. And we were stumbling on a group of songs and a group of writers that we just felt like we had something amazing going on. And me being out of the road took me away from town a lot to where I wasn't able to write as many songs or produce as much as I wanted to. I'm sure that band, I'm sure the Brandy Clark band at that time will remember, like, even after the show, I would be in the back of the bus on my laptop building out demos building out demos that actually ended up turning into be Kelsey's first record called The First Time. And when you're that young and naive, you're just working hard out of pure passion on something. You have no idea what these things will turn into. I just knew I was excited about it. So I look back at the opportunities that I've had. And every time that I've leaned into an opportunity, it's always started with that gut feeling of, you should really pay attention to this. Not be distracted by the money and support of being out on the road and being associated with a cool gig or a cool artist, whatever that was. I still leaned into the possibility that maybe I could lean into producing and songwriting and have a breakthrough in that area. And that's exactly what happened. In 2015, Kelsey's first single, Love Me Like You Mean It, ended up being a number one song on country radio on a brand new artist on pretty much a brand new label, a very small independent label. I think they had Craig Morgan also on the label, but didn't really have that breakthrough flagship artist yet, which ultimately became Kelsey Ballerini. And I want to share another little story about this. Y'all know I like to talk about the law of attraction. I remember while we were cutting some of the demos for Kelsey's record, it was just me and her one day working on a song, and I just had this, this feeling drop in my spirit, like I sometimes do, And I turned around and I told her, I said, you know, I feel like Taylor Swift is going to hear this somehow and react to it. I don't know how. I just have a feeling. I just have a weird feeling that she's going to hear this. 
Where that thought come from, I have no idea. Now looking back, it had to come from the Lord. It had to be the Holy Spirit because I was on the road with Brandy. I just came back from from playing the C2C Festival in London. So we were in the New York airport and Kelsey calls me on the phone, freaking out. Forrest, go check out Twitter right now. You will not believe this. And Taylor Swift posted, riding around Nashville with the Kelsey Ballerini EP on repeat and hashtag three songs on that record. Now, this was just whenever her first EP came out. Somehow, Taylor Swift heard this EP. Maybe it was just randomly on Spotify. I don't know how it got to her. But she made a single tweet, and that tweet started a fire for Kelsey's career and my own. That ended up being a huge breakthrough for all of us. And I'm definitely not trying to sell you guys on I have some superpower of predicting these things. All I know is I've always just leaned into that gut feeling of, man, I feel like something is here. I want to double down on this right here because something amazing could happen. And it's, I don't know how many of y'all have seen that movie, Forrest Gump, but I relate to that dude a lot, more than just the name, because he didn't overthink things. Things were just so simple for him. And he had an amazing life and did amazing things simply because he followed that, that gut intuition of what needed to be done. Even though some people looked at him and thought that he was stupid or that none of it made any sense or really made fun of him. That's really why I love that movie. I never mind the Forrest Gump jokes whenever it comes to my name because I think that's a great movie and a great example of trusting your gut instinct and amazing things can happen. But coming from the small town, being just a small town guitar player with a dream of playing guitar for Taylor Swift. Like I said, I never play guitar for Taylor Swift. (laughs) but she sure ended up hearing the guitar that I played on that record. Moving to town in a travel trailer, hearing about songwriting, studying the craft, and just leveling up every chance that I could. If I got any positive feedback anywhere in my career of, hey, you should sing more harms, or hey, man, your demos are really good, like whatever that was, I just doubled down on that. And it snowballed into something else, into something else. And even at the peak of my career as a road musician, Making the decision to come back to Nashville and pursue production full-time was the single best thing that I did in my career. And I have, and I've had this feeling three times in my life. And that feeling is, you know something big is about to happen? Well, I had that feeling sitting in my parents' living room at 17 years old that something dropped in my spirit and said, you have to be in Nashville. And I believe that was the Lord telling me, you've got to get to Nashville. The second time I had that feeling was whenever I started producing with Kelsey, the first, the first time record. I remember meeting with Jason Massey, the co-producer at a Mexican restaurant in East Nashville. I said, dude, I think I got a gig with this girl that's going to be amazing. I want you to help me produce this thing. His track sounded so much better than mine. I learned so much from him. So I wanted to involve somebody better than me that could level up that project better than I could on my own. And that's exactly what happened. And with our little group that we had going on at Black River, nobody else, this is also important, nobody else in town was riding with us. We couldn't get a ton of rights. You know, it was a lot, hell of a lot easier to get a lot of rights after we had that first breakthrough single and everybody's looking over like, what, where the hell did that come from? But at the time, we were just baby writers on a baby publishing company that nobody really gave a shit about. I'm just being for real. But we were excited about a sound And we were excited about what we were creating, not even knowing what it was going to turn into. 
just driven by that blind passion. And every time I followed that blind passion from moving to town, from coming back to town to start producing, and the third time that I felt that feeling, guys, April of this year, whenever the idea of Music City Playbook came about. Over the past seven, eight months, I've tried to put out as much content as I can with no expectation out of it other than somebody needs to hear this stuff. Because that somebody was me living in a small town in Blanchard, Louisiana, who had no idea what it would take to be successful in the music business, but just knew he had to be a part of it. I had to make a difference. My voice had to be heard. My guitar needed to be heard. My songs needed to be heard. I just had this overwhelming feeling that I deserved an opportunity here. So had I waited around for an opportunity to find me, I'm pretty sure it would have never worked out. It took the stepping out in faith, trusting the gut feeling of creating my own opportunities. And when I mean creating my own opportunities, had I just stayed a songwriter and not started producing, would I have been prepared for whenever I met Kelsey and we started writing? Would my production have been at the level where she trusted me with that project? I don't think so. Had I stayed on the road and said, you know what? I'm making good money. I'm with an awesome artist. Life's pretty cool right now. I'm seeing some awesome places. I'm doing everything that I imagined I would be doing when I came to Nashville. Had I stayed content with that and not listened to that gut feeling, would my production career done what it done? I don't think so. So the third time in my life that I felt that feeling was investing in this Music City playbook. You guys have my word that I'm going to try to get as much content out there to you through the website, Instagram, YouTube as I can that inspires you and keeps your dream alive. And I've said that multiple times, but I freaking mean it because if I can accomplish some of these things, if I can move to town and travel the world as a guitar player, have number one songs on radio, be on Grammy nominated projects, why can't you do the same? And don't sit there and call me lucky. It's not about luck. It's about putting in the work and creating your own opportunities. And no two paths are the same. So find your niche, find what you're good at, serve other people in the room, and keep leveling up your ability to create, whether it be writing a song, producing a record, or simply singing great harmonies and playing great guitar for someone on the road. And you may just surprise yourself on where your career takes you. Every bit of this content that I'm going to be working on is to help you stay the path to let you know that nothing more, there is nothing more important in life than following your passion and achieving your dream. I believe that's what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to be happy. And He's waiting for us to step out in faith, even whenever we don't know how things are going to work out. To step out in faith, and He's up there saying, just wait, I'm going to bless you. All you have to do is trust me. So no matter where you're at in your career today, If you make it your goal to level up each day, each week, each year and create your own opportunities and not wait for some ship to come in to save you, some amazing things can happen. Thank y'all guys so much for listening today. Y'all go create something awesome. 